morning. I was greeted at the door this morning at the first service and said, so this is your last sermon. And I said, I hope not. Uh, and then he said, uh, well, it's your last Sunday. I hope not either. I, I, uh, I plan to stick around for a few more years, but uh, even if it may not be here. But it's so good to be with you today. And I want to take this, uh, this last Sunday just to say thanks. I've entitled the message this morning, kind of one from the heart. And truly, this is my heart for you today. As I uh, excuse myself uh, where I feel that perhaps uh, the mission has been accomplished, I want to say that the choice that the transition committee made to recommend to the elders and both groups not by vote of acclamation. It wasn't like a split vote on this deal, and then the other guys came along. This was a unanimous deal right from the very get-go. And I, I'm just so impressed with Jim and Nancy. Uh, the, you have a wonderful, wonderful man coming here. I think he's going to take you to another level you've not been at before. And uh, he's an outstanding person. And I saw the, the uh, karate thing. Uh, the black belt deal. Uh, this will be. This gives a whole new meaning to protect the flock. Uh, so you'll you'll really enjoy, Jim and Nancy. I, I I'm so excited for you. What do I want to say today? <clears throat> when I was a young pastor in Fresno, and it was my first pastorate, uh, we had a group of deacons and. Uh, Deaconesses, and I think that was the leadership. They didn't have elders that in that day. And uh, I can remember, if you'll cut me just a little slack right now, I didn't know my elbow from my rear end in running a church. I knew theology. I knew how to open up the Bible. But running the church was a whole different deal. They don't tell you about that in seminary. They don't tell you how to run a board meeting or anything like that. But I can recall that I enjoyed visiting people, the deacons especially, and seeing where they worked and working with the men. I, I'm real, as you know, I'm a real champion of men, and I, I really enjoy that. And I remember visiting one of the fellows on the board. He was a CPA, a fellow by the name of Wayman Watts, who and Wayman and Bev became some of our closest friends there for Carol and I. And I remember sitting in his office. Now, most of you that know that if you if you're, you're decorating an office. The person who's sitting in the in front of the desk, he's looking at the back wall, so to speak. And what you do on the decorating is you put everything that's important to the client back there. That would be the degrees that you've earned and basically the information that says, I can do the job for you. And these are my qualifications. They're hanging right up there in front of you. You can see it. But behind you, on that wall, is decorated with the things that, the, that Wayman wanted to see. Pictures of his wife and his his extended family and and uh, all the fun things they've done on trips and things and so forth. And that was all up there. And I remember looking at the back wall and there was one little plaque that was right in the center of his wall that said this. <clears throat> and it seemed to be the mantra of his life. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Now, I suppose in the CPA business, that meant uh, <laughs> better get the numbers right. <laughs> Bottom line, better add up here. 
I, I, I think it's true in business, is it not? It's true in, it's true in music. I guess at the bottom line in the music industry, or if you're playing musicians, like or our band just played up here, is you better hit the notes right or there's going to be a lot of disharmony. If you're in the theater business, I think it's moving the audience with the passion of the play. If it's in sports, unfortunately today, I guess the bottom line is just winning. But in business, I think it's the bottom line. There was a story out from the London newspapers that the London Transit Company, the bus company, had received a lot of complaints about their service. That people, uh, that people weren't able to catch the bus or whatever. Their answer was this. Well, if we had to stop and pick up all the people all the time, we'd never keep on schedule. Uh, perhaps they have lost the, the clarity of their vision. And I've wondered what it is in the church. Jesus said a lot of things, but there were some things that he said that were absolutely critical. And I call your attention to Matthew chapter 28 and verse 19 where he said, Go and make disciples. You see, the main thing in the church is to make disciples. Now, I'm going to be exiting now this Sunday, and the new administration will be coming. And the issue still goes on that regardless of who the staff are here, the job of the church since Jesus founded it, when the Spirit came and settled on that upper room experience in the book of Acts, it's always been to make disciples. You see, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is not to fill up all the chairs. The, the main thing is not to necessarily have great music. Uh, the main thing is not to have the greatest preacher in the world. The main thing is to make disciples. And you need leadership. You need a staff. You need every supporting cast member to be on target with the main thing. That's part of your core values here at DCC. It's a thing that should transform your life. But in making disciples, there are three things you want to keep in mind about making disciples. First of all, you need to keep in mind that you need to win people to Jesus Christ. Why do you do that? Well, because of the fear of God. Even in John chapter 4, the woman at the well, Jesus meets her and uh, he reveals some of her background and she's amazed and she thinks he's a prophet and our reaction to the story is, really? You figured that out. Good for you. And then, of course, once it's turned to religion, she says, well, we worshipped over here. Where do your ancestors worship? The answer today is if you turn a conversation to religion in Starbucks or any other place, what you usually get is, oh, we go to church over here. Jesus poo-poos that real quick and he says, I don't care. The issue isn't where you worship. The issue is that one day it's all going to be about the Spirit. The issue is going to come down to the end of... There's going to be an answer that's needed here at the end of the day, at the end of the, your life. Of whether you've known Christ. If you're going to make the disciples, it means that you need to win people to Jesus Christ. 
during this short tenure that I've been here, some of you have remarked, and I've really appreciated this remark more than any other, I think, and that is, thank you for taking the time on occasion during some of your sermons to let people actually invite Jesus Christ to come into their life at the end of the message. God can use those times, but what about you? Are you about winning people to Jesus Christ? Peter, it was an interesting dialogue, was it not, when Jesus say, who do men say that I am? And, you know, there was probably some responses, but the one that's recorded that's so famous is Peter's response. Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says in the more modern version, exactly, two seats in the front row. He didn't quite say it that way, but he said, you got it right, Peter. You got it right. But then we fast forward the tape a little further and we find Jesus during the crucifixion scene denying Christ. Here's a guy who gave the right answer and now he denies him. And some of us maybe could relate to Peter, unfortunately. Well, we've denied Christ at times this way by the lack of words we've said. It's not that we openly defied and recanted our faith in front of people, but when there was a chance to speak up, we said no. We kept quiet. Our actions of instead of taking action would have said by taking no action, we're not really having that into being following Christ. And then we have seen what happened in our life. We repented from that and we move on. But the issue is, is that in making disciples, we need to win men and women for Jesus Christ. A day is coming where we'll stand before the Father. We read disturbing passages, disturbing passages like, if you will confess me before men, then I'll confess you before the Father. And we think to ourselves, oh, that's a heavy verse. What does that mean? And maybe we don't have all the answers, but it's a sobering fact to the fact that the entire New Testament is dedicated to the fact that you and I need to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the world. There's a second thing that we need to do. Not just win people, but then build them up in the faith. Not just to serve, but build them up in Christ. We need to establish their grounding we need to tell them about their position so their condition will improve. The Jews and the Israelites had that kind of wrong. They thought by obeying the law that that would clean them up. No, the law, the Bible says, is like a mirror that when you're looking into it, it just reveals that your face is dirty. How silly would it be if any one of us, if we were looking in the mirror at our own home and we saw we had a dirty smudge on our face, to rip the mirror off the wall and try to wash our face with the mirror. It would be kind of silly, wouldn't it? Well, that's exactly what Israel did. They tried to wash their face with the law. Jesus says the only cleansing, redemptive power is the blood of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Holy Spirit that once you understand that and what you are in Jesus Christ, that allows you and that's what propels you. That's what changes your heart. That's what changes your want to doer. It is Christ in you, the hope of glory, to fill you and motivated you to be all that you should be in him. He has seated us in the heavenly places in Ephesians 2, 6, it says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, it is in God's love 
It is in God's love. We are so busy, Paul says, but we want you to know how much you are loved in God. Once we understand how much God loves us, it propels us into action. You see, because the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. We're here to make disciples. That doesn't change regardless of what administration comes. As chaplain of the Senate, sometimes I think maybe we've forgotten what the main thing is and what we've been founded on. We don't want to do that in the church. No matter who comes and goes, who, who's the pastor, who are the associate pastors, who are the youth pastors, it's still the same thing. It's the main thing to make disciples. Colossians 2.6, it says, As you received him, so walk ye in him. So even as we received him by faith, so I live by faith. Every moment of my days, every day of my life, it's always drawing upon Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. It's always dependency upon Him. And then the third thing is, we're to send people. Not only are, if we're making disciples, we win them to Christ, we build them up in their faith, and then we send them out into the world. You know, the early church always measured its success. One of its metrics in the early church was how many they sent, not how many they seated. Today, you'd think the way churches are going, the bigger the buildings, the more seats, the more people are crammed in. That's the goal of the church. We measure everything by what happens on Sunday morning, how many people we've got attending. And I say, whoa, that's wonderful. People are coming, but remember to keep the main thing, the main thing. I'm more impressed by not how many people are seated in a church, but how many have been sent by that church into the work of Jesus Christ. And the sending doesn't just have to be overseas. It doesn't have to be always in full-time ministry. I love people who are in secular positions but consider their calling a full-time calling. We need to release people into ministry. The church in Jerusalem was built on that. The other model in New Testament theology is the church at Antioch. And they were kind of like church planting and the interesting thing was like they started planting churches and extending and kind of had modern-day satellites all over Asia Minor. <laughs> and you know who they were sending? They weren't sending the B team. They weren't sending the C team. They were sending the A team. Dillon Community Church talking about making disciples. That means that maybe some of you, even in this church, might become a little uncomfortable when asked to say, would you be willing to start a new church over in Frisco or Silverthorne and somewhere else as an extension of DCC so that we can make more disciples? And immediately, sometimes when we do that, we think about sending people who maybe are on the B team, but we're not sending our A squad. We're not sending our best speakers. We're not sending our best musicians. But the church at Antioch didn't do that. They sent the very best. Because the goal was higher. It wasn't about keeping, because the main thing would always be the main thing. They were about making disciples. As I have been here the last ten months, I have so many people to thank. And when I start thanking these people today, as I have a list here, I'm going to do that. 
the, the danger is that I've left somebody out, and I sure don't want to do that. So if I did, I'm already asking for forgiveness already. <laughs> but one of the things I've been struck with at Dylan here is that this is occurring in your church. The making of disciples is occurring. And it's backed by your core values. And I believe the new pastor that's coming, and I believe the existing staff that's here, is dedicated to making disciples. I get the privilege of watching a little bit from afar and praying for you to make sure that the main thing always stays the main thing. But in order for the main thing to exist, you have to thank some people for making sure that it stays in that position. And, and, and I want to thank you for that because in order to keep the main thing, it has to be shared by everybody. It, can, it always has to be shared. We, we can't do this alone. One person can't just be making disciples and the rest not doing that. It takes a team, doesn't it? And it takes other churches in the areas to make disciples. We're in this together. The Rocky Mountain and the Agape, and, and a few, those are not our competition. Those guys are our allies. <laughs> We're on the same team. Mercedes-Benz had a commercial not too long ago. It was a picture of a Mercedes-Benz driving about 60 miles an hour into a cement wall. Maybe you saw that. It was demonstrating the energy-absorbing absorbing car body that they had made so that it would be safe. You, would, you wouldn't die in a crash going straight into a cement wall at 60 miles an hour. Somebody asked one of the, one of the efficiency experts, asked Mercedes-Benz, why didn't you patent that so another car dealer could get it? <laughs> you make a fortune. The guy said, some things in life are too valuable not to share. Let me tell you something. The gospel does not just belong to us. They desperately need it. Gang, the stakes are really high. People are slipping into a Christless hell on a daily basis. And you've got the good news. Share it. You need to make disciples. The main thing needs to continue to be the main thing. This morning, in order to keep that main thing going, I've got some people to thank. I want to thank the elders. Guys, it's been a, it's been a real rich time. Not only did they give me one meeting a month where they normally do their business, they gave me an extra day a month where we could do elder training. We went through Gene Getz's book called Elders and Leaders. There was a phenomenal time of both laughter and also inquisitive minds where they didn't say it, but the look was, what? We have to do that? I've watched these elders. I'm so proud of these elders. I, I didn't stand up here during prayer time today. The elders did, and some of the women from the prayer ministry. That's a transferable concept. It shouldn't just be with the pastors. The elders are leading you, not just by sitting in the back room counting the nickels. They're up here doing ministry. They even preached one Sunday. How about that? Guys, thank you for what you did. Thank you for your teachable spirit and your attitude. Thank you for giving the, the old man a little bit of trust, pushing you to a little bit more of a limit than you were before. Those, that's in the videotape of my mind forever. Thank you. Transition team, phenomenal. You were faithful to deploy the process. Kathy Joe did an excellent job, both services, in saying to you that this was a little new to them, and they were maybe a little bit unsure about this, but they trusted God, and they trusted this process. 
There were others in that transition team too, and I'm not necessarily the name by name, but they were maybe a little older and served as mentors and were gracious, helped people along. It was a wonderful chemistry and a good spirit in those meetings, giving everybody the liberty to come to their own decisions and their own conclusions. And Kathy Joe was right. She's absolutely right. People did come with their own agenda. And they did have you in their hearts all the way. But I'll tell you something else. They also had God in their hearts. <laughs> and it was his, his agenda over any agenda of the church. Why? Because the core values of this church were the transformational piece in leading them to the decision they made. I'm extremely proud, like a dad would be proud of his kids. I'm proud of the elders, and I'm proud of the transition team. And I don't know, I've been around in a lot of churches, and I'll tell you what, gang, don't take your leadership for granted. You've got some awfully good leaders in this church. A lot of churches don't have this kind of quality of leadership. You're blessed. Say a prayer for them every night. Thank them. They work behind the scenes when you don't know they're working. I know sometimes we can get a little critical from time to time. And like a good grandfather, I need to tell you, stop it. <laughs> Put an arm around them. Pray for them. Encourage them. Take them out for coffee and have no agenda. That's so fun. to, You know, I had some physicians in my former church. And one thing preachers and physicians have in common, we only see people oftentimes when they're sick. <laughs> And they're not feeling well or they got something on their mind. But just to have a leader, when a leader gets taken out and there's no agenda, you don't know how encouraging that is. I want to thank the staff. I want to thank staff, the staff, the administrative and support staff, the gals in the office, Jude, Cindy, Julie. Marvelous people. Work hard. Work, go the extra mile without question. Just the enjoyableness and how kind. Thank you ladies for being so kind to me and for all you did and for uh, making almost every wish your command and that was well beyond the call of duty but I felt it and it was all part of the team making sure that the main thing stayed the main thing thank you for the ministry staff for Mark and Tom and Annika Mark is an exceptional young man and I don't know how many guys that are like Mark, but Mark is, a, is an unusual fellow, and he can lead from the middle. Not many people can do that. And Mark, thank you for your support, for your graciousness to me. It was a privilege working with you. I, I enjoyed every minute of it. It was great. I think you and Jim will be the dynamic duo, <laughs> and you will take this church to a level they've never been at. Tom, you're going to be an excellent youth director. Just lose the Green Bay Packers stuff, okay? Don't get rid of that. Annika, what a great children's director. She's marvelous. She's talented. She's organized. Do you know she knows every kid by their first name? Not just the teachers know them. She knows every teacher by the first name and all the kids by the first name. She knows what's going on in your family. She knows how to pray for you. She knows where you're hurting. I, I, she's She's unbelievable. Mark, Tom, Annika, just you're, you're blessed. You're blessed in your ministry staff. And Jim, you're a very fortunate person to have this as you, as you come in to be the pastor. 
I'm already got him elected. So, you know, that's part of what the transitional guy does. But it's amazing to watch this. Thank you. Hey, thanks to the ushers. Thanks for just taking the time every day to stand back at that door and hand out a program and have a smile on your face. You know what? You kept the main thing the main thing. Every person coming in here felt welcome. Thanks for not just handing it and then looking away. I saw many of you guys stand at the door and you were shaking hands and you were saying, glad to see you. Some of you were even hugging people's necks. Guys, I don't know if you know how valuable that is, but it takes a team to make sure the main thing stays the main thing. Thanks for taking the offering, too. The elders liked that. That was good. Snow removal, guys. We salute you. <laughs> Thanks for letting us walk from our car to the church and not have to trub with snowshoes on. Thank you. Sound people, PowerPoint people. Thank you back there. Many of you served. You rotated through that role. I know I, I drive for excellence on some of that PowerPoint thing, and I probably shouted at a few of you and yelled at you. I apologize publicly. But I always want excellence. I want to do it right. Women's ministry. Thank you, ladies, for praying for your Bible studies. I, I, I know because I'm married to a, a lady who's been a, a part of the prayer ministry and the women's ministry at every church, and I know what goes on behind the scenes and the unsaid told and the untold stories. Thank you, ladies. I know the prayer support of this church. You've kept the main thing the main thing. Iron Hour, that was a trip. <laughs> that was fun. Jim, where are you, Jim? There you are. Jim tells a joke every week. Some of them are unbelievably good. And some of them are unbelievably bad. But every week, he unites Iron Hour, right, Larry? With a good groan. Just amazing. Jim and, and Rob, your leadership, your punch. The guys who cook the breakfast every week. Getting over here at 4.30 in the morning. God doesn't even get up that early. I mean, and you guys are here fixing a sumptuous breakfast for, for the team. Why? Because you want to keep the main thing the main thing. And for all you men who attended, and, and that hour in the morning, I, I wasn't sure whether I was that good or you just were asleep and you were staring at me. I wasn't sure. But I want to thank you for coming. That was a rich experience for me. And thanks to Rob and Jim who gave great leadership with that. To the Sharps and the Muellers, a special thanks for allowing Carol and I to use your home. What a gift that was. Marvelous gift. We're forever grateful. We even had a chance to bring up our extended family from time to time. And they rejoiced in your graciousness. Thank you, Sharps and Mueller's, for that. I couldn't have done it without that. It was such a wonderful, refreshing thing that you did. For the nursery and the child care workers, while you're here in learning, those children are being taken care of in quality hands. Thank you for that. Why? Because you're helping to keep the main thing the main thing. The Monday golf guys. Now there was a there was a time of bonding that happened on Monday mornings. And I'll always be grateful for you guys not laughing at me when I played with you. When I was facing north and the ball was going east. I thank you for that. I hope to come up maybe this summer once or twice, maybe play with you on a Monday. That would be that would be a that would be a treat. 
to those who served in the food bank, Mike and your crew, you did an outstanding job. Watching on Mondays and Wednesdays, especially Mondays, the people lying up there, and I could even see in their eyes discouragement, confusion. Didn't know where the next meal was coming from. And then leaving the food, food bank with their car filled to the capacity of what was allowed with hope again in their eyes. Thank you for doing that. Those kinds of acts of kindnesses don't go unnoticed. And they help people and make their hearts soft to hearing the gospel. Thanks to the Benevolence team who met so faithfully every Tuesday at 4 o'clock and made sure the distribution of all those funds got to the places that they needed to be. It took hours. Why? Because the main thing has to stay the main thing. To Bill Spear, a special thanks. Bill, thank you for filling the pulpit. He was one of the first people that I ever met, persons that I've ever met, when I first came here. He and Frank Butler showed up at Starbucks to see whether or not I was interested in maybe coming as the interim. From the minute I bent Bill, I realized I was in the presence of a real quality man. And that friendship has, has grown. Thank you for doing that, Bill. Tim Glasgow. Uh, I had to convince him to be an elder, I think. Tim, was that accurate? Would you agree with that? We had to spend a little time on the golf course. And, uh, but Tim has just been such an excellent addition to the leadership of the church. And he's a friend, and I thank God for that. Thank God for his wife, Julie, too, who every week asks me, what service should we take for the, for, the, for the MP3 this week? And just looking at those little details. Why? So that the main thing can stay the main thing. Frank Butler. What can I say about Frank? I made a friend. A very deep friend. But I also got to know Grace. And I recognized that's where the real spiritual power was. <laughs> what a great lady. And finally, I'd like to thank my wife, Carol, who's here this morning. Carol, thank you, sweetheart, for throwing your support behind this and letting me come up here. I travel a lot in my ministry, and she even made the comment one time, uh, it seems like even when you're home, you're gone. <laughs> But I believe that Carol knew in her heart this was where God wanted me. And thank you, sweetheart, for letting me have the privilege of coming up with these dear people. I couldn't have done that without your support. I mentioned to you before, Peter said the right thing. He gave the right confession. A little later, he confesses or denies Christ. The other day in our bedroom, Carol was sharing with me a thought from her quiet time, and I didn't know where I'd ever fit that in, but it was a great thought she had as she was reading the Scripture, this great insight. She said, did you notice that when after the resurrection and uh, after Jesus is gone, or, or I'm sorry, not before the resurrection, and Jesus is asking Peter a, a question, and he says, do you love me? He asked uh, uh, Peter, this in John chapter 21, verses 18 and 19. And he says, Peter, do you love me? And then he asks him another two times, do you love me? And Peter, undeniably, now, not, not, not excusing, not denying, but says affirmingly, yes, I love you. And then Jesus goes on to say, and adds this, 
He said this all to John because he knew that John would be led away in his old age and would die for the Savior. Why would you ask somebody if you love them and then turn around and say you're going to die a martyr's death? How does that fit together? Carol's insight was quite beautiful, and I wanted to share that with you today because I think it's worth sharing. And that is that here's Peter, knows it headwise who Jesus is, experientially fails like a just a, a complete failure, but Jesus stays with him. And then what happens in that discourse in John 21 is amazing. I think the real input and in what Carol saw there was this, that in the end... Peter would never go back to a denial stage. Peter would never deny Christ. He finally got it. And Jesus was saying to Peter, you're never going to deny me again. In fact, I'm going to give, I'm going to give you the highest reward of all. You'll never deny me. You're actually going to die a martyr's death. You'll, you'll finish strong, son. And you'll finish in the end dying for me. Why did he say that? Because I think in the final analysis... Peter understood what the main thing was. In following Christ, you and I are to make disciples. And I want to wish you the very best in that. I hope that Jim and Nancy will be an excellent senior pastor couple for you. I believe they will be. I believe we will be hearing great things of what God is doing in this church. I want to thank all of you. And if I've missed someone again, let me just say I didn't mean to. There's so many thanks that need to be said here. But most of all, thank all of you for, for responding and seeing that transitions can be very healthy, that God can do things in transitions He doesn't normally do when things are just static. And whatever you do, make sure that the main thing stays the main thing. Now, if I don't get a chance to see you at the party... God bless you. Thank you for all that you did. Let's pray. Lord, thanks again this morning for your grace to us. Thank you for your wonderful sufficiency in everything. Thank you that you've called us to make disciples, to win men to Christ, to build them up in the faith, and then release them into ministry. How great and what a wonderful task that is. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again. We'd like to... Uh thank Gene for his service here at DCC these last 10 months or so. I remember when he first got here with this, you know, big teddy bear rolling in, didn't have much direction in life, a little rough on the pulpit. And, and uh, we were glad we were able to lift him up over this last year, build him up. You know, appreciate that. You're lucky definitely. to have us. I, yeah. I know. I know. What, what can I say? What can I say? No, seriously, you're... Uh, um, I thought of a couple things, you know, just the, the perspective, the outside perspective that you brought to us, making sure that we're covering all the bases, thinking as we should, but also validating how awesome our congregation is, our staff, our ministries, our direction, um, that the main thing is the main thing. Right. And thank you for reminding us of that. That's been very helpful for us. We hope you will stick around afterwards. We have a reception to... Uh, give a handshake and a hug to Jean and Carol and thank them for their service as we go through this transition time. We couldn't have done it without you. So thanks. Thanks, thanks very, very much. much